Now, her mother was an OBGYN. And her mama was fly. Like, if you could think of the embodiment of, like, Felicia Rashad as an OBGYN, like, that was her. Like, you were like, she's dope. I want to be like her. Like, she had it all. Feathered bangs, you know. I feel like she walked around in sequence every day. I'm sure she didn't. But in my head, that's who she was. And she was dope. And I remember as a child. What is up, fam? I'm Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Delta Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, the author of Black Men and White Coats, the author of Pre-Med Mondays, the author of um, <laughs> the Dr. Doc Children series, the author of my newest book, which y'all go check it out if you're in healthcare and you want to know how to publish books. It's called A Doctor's Guide to Self-Publishing. Go grab a copy. As a matter of fact, I'll give you this one for free. Go to book.authorandexpert.com and I will mail you out one for free. I've got a whole stack. You're about to mail them out. And you listen to the Black Men and White Coast podcast, a place where clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. Man, so glad to be back, man. This season of Black Men and White Coast is going to be great, amazing. We've got uh, an awesome lineup for you guys. Um, I'm really excited. So many things going on in the world of Black Men and White Coast right now. Um, you can't even begin to imagine how many things are going on, what we're working on, the surprises and stuff that we've got turning in the background. I can't announce all of them just yet because they're still in the works, but we are doing our best to bring these things to fruition for you all. What I will tell you is we're still giving out MCAT scholarships, so um, stay tuned. We're going to be announcing more and more about that. Make sure you click on the links below, read the description. We'll put the information you need down there. We've been paying for people's MCATs. So y'all take the MCATs. You got to take the MCATs to go to med school. We're paying for MCATs thanks to um, people who have donated funds. The Black Group Organization helped donate some money. Um, Ms. Darlene Dotson. So Aaron Dotson is uh, very strong. I'm collaborating with Black Men and White Coats. You know, I've been, you know, I mentored Aaron way back in the day when he was pre-med. And now he's an ophthalmologist, right? His mother donated a decent amount of money to pay for a lot of a lot of MCATs as well. So um, th- make sure you guys definitely check out the little descriptions down below if you guys want to get your MCATs paid for because we are doing it. It's not a gimmick. It's not a joke. We're really cutting checks for you all to pay for your MCATs thanks to these very generous donations. Man, uh, what else do I have to say? So if you haven't seen the movie, the documentary, check it out. BMWCmovie.com. BMWC, <laughs> BMWCmovie.com. And also, if you don't know the big news that's circulating, the number of first-year medical student enrollees, black students, has gone up 21% from 2020 to 2021. It went up 21%. So shout-out to everybody who's contributing to making that happen. And um, a huge shout-out to um, everybody who supported the documentary, meaning the people who supported the Kickstarter. A couple years back, we put this Kickstarter campaign out. We said, hey... You know, help us fund this making of this documentary so we can get it in all the med schools and places across the country. That film has been screened over 1,200 times. The majority of med schools have screened it. I've been in so many Q&A sessions with deans and presidents, and we've challenged them directly to accept more black individuals. We did it in the film, if you saw it. Um, it, it numbers went up. Numbers went up. So a lot of things contribute to that. The COVID environment, a lot of different organizations and stuff. And um, Black Men and White Coast were very proud and happy to... Um, and honored, you know, by the grace of God to have been able to contribute to these numbers going up, um, primarily probably via, via the documentary that so many of you all supported. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, man, today's guest is phenomenal. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing story. You're going to really enjoy it. I can say a lot of stuff about her, but <laughs> something that I really thought was um, really interesting, which she, she'll talk about, you hear her talk about it, is she is responsible for the Popeye's issue in Chicago. Or Chicago. She's responsible for the Popeyes. So if you go to see a Popeyes 
fast food chain in Chicago. You can thank her and her family. They're the ones who brought it to Chicago, right? Really interesting tidbit about this doctor. Um, it's Dr. Um, Goodall McDonald. Dr. Goodall McDonald. She has a very, very fascinating story. Um, check out her Instagram page, her IG page. She's very active, very involved in Instagram. Um, she's funny, hilarious. She raps a little bit too, so check that stuff out. I remember I saw one of her videos some time back. She was doing, it's kind of like a, a Mary J. Blige, real love type of thing I saw her doing. Um, I thought it was really cool. And so to have the opportunity to actually have her on the show, for me, it's amazing. Um, she got a phenomenal story. And I really like, what I like about the story is how genuine she is about who she is as a person. You know, some people try to paint themselves in certain lives, but she's just outright going to come out and tell y'all like she struggled to try to be cool and things like that. And I think that's something that a lot of a lot of pre-meds, especially at younger ages, can relate to, you know, especially when you're black and you're trying to figure out where do you fit in in certain PWI situations or even certain minority situations. Where do you fit in? How do you be cool? And she, t she talks about how she worked through all that stuff. And today she's doing very well. She's doing very well. She practices ob gyn or ob Jin, whichever way you say it, so obstetrics and gynecology. And let me stop talking about her story. She's going to tell you her own story. Phenomenal story. Check it out. You're going to enjoy it. Um, before you do, do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button. You've got to hit that subscribe button. We do our best to put out great content for you guys. Not just the documentary, but these podcasts. The podcasts were around before the documentary. So we want y'all to make sure you ride with us on the podcast just as strong as you guys did for the documentary, okay? So hit that subscribe button. Share it. Post it on your social media. Tag Dr. Um, Goodall McDonald and... Enjoy the show. My name is Dr. Wendy Goodall McDonald, and I'm a board certified obstetrician gynecologist, and I'm here today to tell my story. I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, um, to two parents um, who were hail from the Great Migration. My father, William Goodall, came from West Virginia grew up in a relatively segregated and racially charged uh, South and told stories constantly about how he would just be chased by you know white people, white boys throwing rocks and stones at him. He and his brothers would stick together and not be present in certain spaces after da after dark because of the potential implications and repercussions of that. Um, and while he uh, grew up in that kind of environment, he was able to work as a line chef in high school, earn his way to um, college. He went to Roosevelt University here in Chicago for college, um, while at the same time running and driving the L train at night. Um, and he became a businessman. Um, he was able to translate that into becoming a certified public accountant, a CPA, and ultimately became a franchise owner of fast food restaurants. He actually brought the Popeyes franchise from New Orleans to Chicago. So the next time you have Popeyes in Chicago, that was originally my daddy. That's our bad, you know, for all the blood pressure and cholesterol issues that it has caused. But it's delicious. So, you know, that's just going to be what it is. Um, <laughs> along the way, he met my mother, who is from Mississippi. My mother was a court stenographer at the time that she met my dad, and they were married in 1972. And about nine years later, along came myself, well, my brother first, 
and then myself um and the rest is history with them they've been together for all that time so um my mother grew up in Mississippi also very present in the um, era of racial um disparities and relative unrest she also grew up where they used to have to use outhouses at night or just in general they, they did not have you know central plumbing and all of that so I remember being told stories about how fortunate we were to be able to go to the bathroom inside and to not have to battle rattlesnakes at night um, to go to the bathroom um, my mother is also a um, strong proponent of um, keeping women safe I'm sure and she never told me any stories specifically about um, being you know harassed sexually harassed or any kind of trauma but she's always been very on guard with making sure that um, I was safe and that you know no nothing or no one was trying to do anything to me um, in a in a sexual way as a child and I wonder if there was something to that she was the only girl out of um, six boys five boys in her family and her mother was also very hard on her growing up she was uh, she said she used to get spanked and beat she said sometimes she didn't even do anything and she would just be the the um, source of her mother's uh, anger and disdain and she was always very loving toward me and also protective of me sometimes even more so than she needed to be like I could be wrong in an argument with my brother and I and she would side with me so um, I kind of took advantage of that but I also recognized it growing up that there was something to her history and her past that had her um, super protected of, of me as her daughter I grew up in the south side of Chicago um, no big um issues there except you know being a, a child of a father who owned a chain of fast food restaurants I was a little you know mini heiress um, a little princess growing up in the sense that I would um, <laughs> I used to be able to go into the Wendy's in High Park for anybody who's listening from Chicago there was that Wendy's on 53rd Street I could walk up in there when I was old enough to be walking up in there by myself and I could um order whatever I wanted and then I all I would have to say is um it's a manager's meal and it would be paid for and so I would you know kind of be the cool kid as a result of that at least I thought I was cool I really wasn't that cool at all as a matter of fact I all my young young life tried to battle to become cool but um that was that was my claim to fame is that like you know friends or whoever wanted to come out and eat they wouldn't necessarily take advantage of me because they knew I could eat for free and they might be like, hey, can I get some fries or something? And I'd be like, sure, I get some, get y'all some fries. But that was kind of cool growing up to just be able to eat, you know, for, for relative free. Ironically, in the house, we did not eat a lot of fast food. Fast food was kind of a treat. Like once a year for our birthdays, we would have like a sit down dinner the rest of the time. Um, it was mostly my mom cooking and then like maybe once every week or two weeks, we would have some fast food from one of the restaurants from Wendy's or Popeye's. Um, and then I couldn't stand KFC. It was like a rivalry in our house. It was like a now, you know, why are we talking about fast food? I, I digress. Um, just, this is, you know, part of my childhood. So there went to, um, the university of Chicago lab schools, which is a kind of prestigious school in Hyde Park. Um, and I, I say that because my 
parents and their uh, you know kind of new wealth if that if you will because they were they were not new they were not a uh, old money they were very new money um that allowed them to send my brother and I to this pretty expensive private school where many of the kids either their parents were um employees or on staff or teachers at the University of Chicago some were doctors some were lawyers and then you had those who were on kind of scholarship who were able to be there um and so I you know it was a a a diverse crew of people with money and then some people without money at lab and it was predominantly white really predominantly Jewish and white I went to more bat and bar mitzvahs as a as an adolescent than I can you know even state and I could probably say the whole um sing the whole Torah prayer you know today because of all the bar and bar mitzvahs that I went to but that was a way of life for me um and it was just it was just how it was so I would go to school I would be in sports I would do the things and I'd come home and my mom was a stay-at-home wife until about high school when the restaurant started to kind of crumble they they blackballed my dad to a degree because of and I really still don't even know what happened but I know Dave Thomas is not a, a name to be spoken in my house because they really mistreated my dad um, stop sending him food, stop sending him inventory. I remember seeing my dad drink in the middle of the night for the first time. I think I came to the kitchen for something random and he's sitting there with like, you know, some whiskey. And I was like, oh, hell no, what is going on? You know, like the world was crumbling in my eyes. I'm like, what's happening? Um, he was able to make a, a shift back to being a um, CPA and a management consultant, but not without a lot of money changing hands and uh, my mother going to work and just kind of like being able to having to make some shifts in order to keep us in that school until we graduated from high school. My brother and I both ironically ended up going to HBCUs for college. So I was uh, applied to all kinds of schools, really all PWIs, not even thinking that that was a thing. I really didn't know. Got a random mailer in the mail from Xavier University of Louisiana, XU. And I think on the front cover was like, number one in putting African-Americans into medical school. So let's back up. One of my best friends in um, kindergarten was uh, another little black girl. And again, I told you this school was not a lot, did not have a lot of black people in general. So she and I were really good friends. And not just because we were two black girls, but we had things in common and it was cool. She was cool. Now her mother was an OBGYN. And her mama was fly. Like, if you could think of the embodiment of, like, Felicia Rashad as an OBGYN, like, that was her. Like, you were like, she's dope. I want to be like her. Like, she had it all. Feathered bangs, you know. I feel like she walked around in sequins every day. I'm sure she didn't. But in my head, that's who she was. And she was dope. And I remember as a child, this is a very, like, pivotal point in my life I had been using some little bubble bath that I saw on TV that I asked my mama for she gave it to me and I was irritated my my lady parts my vagina was irritated and I somehow mentioned it to her because I knew what she did and I'm a kid I'm probably like seven or six and she was like oh baby not everybody can just use everything down there what you gonna need to do is you know like stop with the little bubble baths don't put soap you know in places it don't belong she did not have a southern accent but you know go with it because it makes it the story cooler and then eventually I was no longer irritated and I'm like wow so the more I talked to her about what she did or the more she talked to me about what she did the more I was like your actual career and job and profession is to know 
what's going on with women's bodies and to not only know what's going on with their bodies, but in bonus, you can know about know what's going on with your body. Like I, I could know this as a um, profession if something's going on with myself, what it is, and then help somebody else with that. Like ain't nothing better than that. That's what it's going to be. So I decided as, an, as a youngster that I wanted to be a doctor and specifically an OBGYN. So fast forward back to high school as I'm applying for college, you know, there was never a question of if you're going to college, just where you're going to college. And I get this mailer and then they somehow I sent them my stuff and they must have liked me because they flew my, my dad and I down there to Xavier, toured the campus, didn't wine and dine. I don't remember going to any dinners or anything, but just really like introduced us to the scene, the scenario, the people, the places, the um, kind of what rep- what what Xavier stood for. And I was sold. Um, I applied, got in. I got a pretty substantial, hefty scholarship, which was a lovely thing. And hey, what's going on, y'all? Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Please stay tuned while we hear from our sponsors. We need more black men in white coats because we need to save the lives of more black men. Period. There were fewer black men applying to medical school in 2014 than in 1978. There are several medical schools that do not have any black men in their classrooms. When that is the case, and we're in a learning environment, there's going to be different conclusions made about how to care for people if there are not diverse people around the table. You need to care about your fellow man and woman, otherwise we all suffer. So the reason why white people, white women should care about diversifying the physician workforce, which includes black men, is because it makes it better for all of us. Historically, the system wasn't designed for black men to succeed. My mom, on and off drugs, in and out of jail my whole life, and becoming an orthopedic spine surgeon. If I can do it and come from that environment and everything that I went through, I think you can also. There are little black boys out there who see me on TV, who see me in this role, and who may not have ever thought that they could be a doctor, much less Surgeon General, who when they see that, all of a sudden think, I can do that too. We're approaching this as though it's a problem versus realizing that we have a crisis on our hands. What's the impact if this problem doesn't change? Black people are gonna continue dying. Yeah, ain't no time for stressing, I've been really stepping. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, if you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on racks, ain't playing around. Black man, white yeah. coach, shit, we up right now, yeah. 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 <laughs> you gotta set you a goal. You gotta accomplish your goal. That's called being on call. So that was part one. This is part two. So fast forward, I was able to get this pretty hefty scholarship. Um, I only would need to pay, you know, out of everything, tuition, room and board, I think like $1,000 a semester, which my parents helped with at the beginning of school. And then I was able to get a job. I worked as a waitress 
um, at various restaurants throughout college. I worked at Applebee's. I worked at a couple sit-down restaurants um, in New Orleans. And then I even worked at a t-shirt shop on Bourbon Street at one point and Rainbow um, I worked in the Carrollton Park Apartments area. I worked there. Um, there just various jobs, little jobs in school to help to pay for that little thousand dollars a semester, which was not little, by the way. I mean, that's a lot of money in my, you know, high school or college mind. But I was able to pay for that. So I was able to get through undergrad um, really without any debt. Um, my brother, too, was able to go to FAMU on a full scholarship. It's funny because we, out of our classes, were the only ones to go to HBCUs out of our school. But Xavier rocks the house. I can't say nothing, you know, anything bad about my school. Um, you know, financial aid and all the, the troubles and, and challenges of an HBCU are going to always be there. That's like, I feel like if you don't have issues with the, you know, admissions or financial aid office, you ain't been to an HBCU. Like, that's a rite of passage. So, you know, the next time somebody says, oh, I can't stay in my financial aid office, like, that's what it is. And welcome to, you know, your school and one day you'll love it. So there. Um, so then was able to go to uh so Xavier was great they people flock there the med schools flocked there to try to you know not recruit you but just let you know that they existed and so I was at the time ready to go to whatever other city now I had spread my wings I was going you know living abroad living not abroad but in New Orleans and I was going to go to to Boston or you know um DC or somewhere else California for med school Went to interview at Northwestern in Chicago and fell in love, fell in love. Called the dean, um, who was a black woman at the time. There, as soon, you know, soon after my interview, was like, listen, if y'all let me in, I am there. They let me in. I probably shouldn't have been so eager because they gave me zero financial aid. But that's cool. You know, I'm not bitter. Um, not bitter at all that all my student loans are from Northwestern. Um, not better that I'm still paying on those, those bad boys. That's okay. I'm going to get through that. I'm not going to dwell on the bitterness that I don't have. Um, but now, you know, was able to go to Northwestern grateful for that grateful because I was able to not only achieve my goal of becoming an OBGYN, but meet my husband who, um, for our first two years in med school, we're not interested in each other at all. Like I went to school to get an education, not a husbandation, um, and turned around and kind of opened both of our eyes, maybe mid second to end of second year. And it was like, you cool and you cool too. And we were, we, not only did we start dating randomly at the end of second year, we were married between third and fourth year. So like a year later, we were married, which was crazy because we literally were not even on each other's radar for those first two years. Um, but you know, again, I digress, was able to finish, um, med school at Northwestern matched in OBGYN residency at Rush, did my four years there, which I loved. I will always tell people Northwestern is like the, you know, classy, high class, you know, beautiful on the lake, um, hospital in Chicago, Rush will give you that same care, if not the same, if not better. And I won't even say better because I don't think it's better about being better or worse, but it's not as pretty, you know. So I loved my education there. We didn't have the same number of the same volume of OB, but we had a lot of high risk OB. We, we dealt with a larger proportion of 
preeclampsia, diabetes, like our volume for just regular routine OBs wasn't as many as Northwestern, but we would receive transfers from all over the city to Rush. Our MFM department was super strong. So I feel like my training there, um, while not at the same speed, pace and volume as it was at Northwestern, um, it was it was dense with information and understanding and training and surgery. I was voted um, the best or uh, given the accolade of the best surgical skills in my um, residency class as a senior and um, and I, I still I still take that you know with pride and uh, was able to finish there and start my practice I didn't start a practice I joined a practice at Northwestern which is where I work to this day I've been with my practice women's health consulting which is downtown Chicago um, since 2011, since I finished residency and I love it and I'm proud to be there and I love what I do. Now, that's not all I do. I, I work and I deliver babies and I do surgeries and, um, I also happen to sing and rap and write in 2017 roundabout. I started a blog called the Gynecoblogic. And um, it was a women's health, it is a women's health blog, um, or I, I now consider myself the MD for humans with vaginas because I don't, you know, it's, it's not about to me the pronouns. I like I'm, I'm down for all the pronouns, but if you have a vagina, I'm your, I'm your doc. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Cause some people are like, you should be, you know, treat women with an X. And I'm like, well, I don't really treat trans women. Like I would treat cisgender women and trans men, you know? So, um, yeah, there. Um, so, but anyway, the blog is for humans with vaginas and it is just education, but I would always kind of put it in a, in a wittier or fun way. I pride myself in explaining health information to people in a way that I learned it or in a way that I understand it. I came, I told you from this household where my parents were educated, but not like old education, not you know, I wasn't tre- learn learning anatomy uh, from my parents, but my parents did buy me an anatomy kit when I was like young and expressing interest in being a doctor. And they bought me little programs on our little like our big old computer, um, you know, that looked like Atari, but where you were putting like the humorous where it belonged and the femur where it belonged and all that. And so they 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 fostered my education, but I didn't learn that stuff from them. I was the one who you choke and you stand up and put your arms up and they hit you on your back hard as they can, you know, or you don't go outside without a hat on because you're going to catch a cold. Or if you, if you feel like you're sniffly, let's eat all this garlic. And I'm not saying that garlic isn't helpful, but I'm saying I did not learn the actual understanding of you know, microbiology and uh, infectious disease. And I learned zero sexual health from my parents, zero sexual health. Like I, to this day, don't think my parents think I have sex and I have three kids. Um, so, so I had to learn all this stuff on my own. And then I had to put a little twist in my head to it to understand it. And I com- convey information in that way. So when I explain things to people and to patients, I'm like, oh, well, nobody's ever broken it down like that. I get it. Well, that's how I write. That's my goal and and how I write and how I express information. Similarly, in 2017, I also was driving home from work one day, was singing a song, feeling myself because I was hitting, you know, getting to the house and I recorded myself singing this song on the way home and put it on Facebook and everybody's like, oh my gosh, she can sing. And I'm like, actually, I can't. So like, really, if you do a deep dive into my like YouTube or whatever, 
I cannot sing. Like I try and I can hold a tune. And if you hit me on, get me on a good day, I might get you a good run, you know, but I'm not consistent. So like if I were on The Voice, I wouldn't make it. Um, But I would love to try it out. Uh, That said, I since people really were like feeling it, I used to always rewrite songs in my head or rewrite raps in my head or even rewrite like commercials in my head. So I started rewriting songs and raps to of uh, regular songs to parody about health information. So I became a pseudo Weird Al of gynecology or Weird Al of, of, of women's health. So um, my pseudonym is Dr. Every Woman, Dr. Every Woman. And I, you know, kind of pride myself in making these videos now and these songs. I've gotten, I think, a lot better since the days of old when I would record in my car and post little videos. But I leave all that stuff. All the stuff's on, on YouTube. So if you want to really, like, see the evolution, go way back to, you know, me singing something or rapping something crazy in the car and sounding all off-key. I listened to myself do something yesterday, and I was like, ooh, my ears. But, you know, it just shows you how far we've come. So um, I have also now, at this part of my life, authored two books One is called It Smells Just Like Popcorn. It's a women's health guide, but again, funny, witty, kind of snarky, kind of, you know, um, uh, tongue-in-cheek, as as they say, um, about, and it's just an index of women's health information. I also have a children's book called, um, well, it's the the, the under, um, I don't know why I can't talk right now. It's because it's the middle of the night. I also have authored a children's book. Um, it's called My Body is My Temple, but it's the powerful Nia series of like Nia, who is this little girl and she's like, you know, thinks the world of herself. And I hope to author more books under that um, blanket of powerful Nia. Um, I am about to release and I don't know when this is going to release, but it may already have been released. Um, st- this book called Stethoscope Dreams. Stethoscope, Stethoscope Dreams is about a little girl named Journey who wants to be a doctor. And um, it just takes us on her journey to becoming a doctor and it's a song and a rap um, that I will also perform in and put as a a create as a collaborative thing with the book Um, so that's that's in the making and I'm super excited about that and just a lot more things in the in the pipeline I have a um, non-for-profit called patients are waiting that helps to support minorities in medicine with the hopes of ending health disparities by increasing the amount of minorities in medicine. So Patients Are Waiting is, a, is one of my babies, and I hope to one day use that platform to help to repay people's student loans who come from, you know, not old money and long, you know, histories of doctors because, like, people like me who love what I do and I'm excited and, and grateful to be who I am, but to have, have paid a large price for it. And I'm continuing to pay a large price because interest on student loans is um, insulting. So I hope to one day be able to pay people's student loans down as a pseudo, like a back end scholarship. Um, so high hopes for this little life and career. I, again, am a, a wife to um, a, my husband, Dr. Ed McDonald, who is a gastroenterologist um, and also a writer and also a DJ and also a rapper, although he won't tell you in public. Um, he can freestyle better than anybody in the house, him and my, my oldest son. I have three kids um, who are also awesome, two, two sons and a daughter. And I mean, I think that's it. That's my story. I would love to impart, you know, to anyone who wants to do this thing and wants to be a, a, a doctor, to follow your dreams, to keep 
at it to not be deterred by failure or by you know any kind of deterrence um it takes energy it takes time it takes perseverance and I'm just now being able to kind of like explore the fruits of knowing what I know but doing creative things with it which is just the icing on the the cake so um thanks for listening my name is Dr. Wendy Goodall McDonald and I am a black woman in a white coat I told you that was going to be such a great episode. I told you, I told you, I told you. I don't know why I'm sitting here as I'm thinking. It occurs to me that her last name is McDonald, but Femi brought in Popeyes, Popeyes, McDonald, two different fast food restaurants, but, but all right, I'm going to be quiet there. Um, trying to have a little humor, guys, left with me, okay? I'm not a comedian. I'm trying my best. But um, thank you so much, Dr. Wendy Goodall McDonald. Um, phenomenal story. And again, I, I really love this episode because I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. It's something that a lot of us in the field of medicine can relate to, right? You're a youth, you're a child, you're trying to figure out which circle do I fit in? How can I be cool? Things of that sort. Um, even leveraging her manager's meal pass at the restaurants, right? To, to boost her credibility or status. Um, just a great story, uh, great pathway to show how she fell in love with her, her journey. Um, so for the clinicians out there, this let this episode remind you about the power of just modeling, role modeling, right? So she saw, she she decided to go down this path because of a friend's mother. You never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you. You might just be in your house, just hanging out, just in your house. And your your child's friend might be watching you and just thinking, wow, how cool is that? You never know who you're going to impact. So the same way that, you know, Dr. Wendy Goodall McDonald's life was impacted, you could impact the life of somebody else. So thank you all so very much for um, rocking with Black Men and White Clothes. Hey, do, do me a favor here. All right, well, do me two favors. First of all, subscribe. So make sure you do that. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. That helps us out tremendously, right? It helps us out amazingly. If you guys can subscribe, leave a review, it boosts our rankings in the podcast and lets us know that you guys appreciate what we do. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is let us know who you want to see on this podcast. Which doctors or clinicians do you want to see on this podcast? Send us a message. We're at Team BMWC. On um, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, probably more active on Instagram nowadays, but at Team BMWC. Send us a message, tag us in a post, whatever. Uh, you can even go go to BMWC or go to BlackMenAndWhiteCoast.org, our actual website. This podcast we posted there, and send us a message on there as well. You know, just let us know who do you want to see on this podcast. We want these stories to be good and inspirational for y'all. We've got a, a whole bunch already lined up for you, so you're gonna get some great stuff still coming through this pipeline. But we want to hear from you all as well. Um, super excited for the season. Super excited to be back in just podcast mode. We were so focused on the documentary um, for a while. The podcast had to kind of take a little breather because the documentary consumed so much time. And I'm happy it did because we see the fruit, right? We see the results, the numbers going up. Um, but man, I love doing the podcast. So I'm so happy to be back doing this. All right, man. Love you guys. Dr. Wendy Goodall McDonald. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with the Black Men and White Coast community. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like, hit that share, hit that whatever you got to do. Get the podcast out and we'll see you guys next time. Love you. Ooh. I want them bad like a daddy, yeah. Only do it like flagger, yeah. I'm kicking flame with no saga, yeah. Ay, I like them blues. I might go Janet like Jackson. I got them option, yeah. It's all about progression. Life is like a blessing. Everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, ain't no time for stressing. I've been really stepping. Ooh.